almighty king of glory father the hour has come once again father for you to speak to your children to all of us mighty king of glory father I commit my mouth I commit my mind I commit my thinking unto your hand to God father may you use them to deliver whatever we want to deliver mighty king of glory father may it not be only for your words to come out through my mouth today oh God but father may it be also for your power to dwell in this place oh God that everything that you deliver mighty king of glory to us will be sink will be understood and father that we will have the capacity oh God Father, to be able to put them into practice. And only your name, mighty King of glory, will be glorified for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good. We have recently got into the discussions of discipleship. And um, of course, there was, a, there was a time I also preached about discipleship, I think last year, October. And uh, I think the need for discipleship, the need for us to move onto the stage, onto the stage of being a disciple, crossing the stage of believing. And since last week, Minister Mary God has been using her to guide us into the stages of discipleship. Yeah, generally. And so it is really the period, yeah, the season of discipleship. Discussion about discipleship, learning about how to be a follower of Christ. And I want to tell you that when God is doing these things, there is a purpose, the reason why he is doing this. Minister Mary today nearly lamented, followed Paul to lament. Are we going to stay on the infant stage forever is frustrating and I think that there is a purpose why God is talking to us in this way we need to make a move because there is no more time the time is going the reason is that sometimes when it's being said I don't know maybe we might take it one of the things one of those things that you, you talk about on Sunday immediately we open the door we put all of them somewhere and that's it please no take this thing serious because there is a sign there is a sign that God wants to do something God wants us to move God wants us to make move God wants us to go away if you are a Christian, because some of us, for example, we were born into Christianity. That means our parents were Christians and we were born, we were even baptized, some of us, when we were children and some of us not, but we were born into family of Christ. And then as a, at a particular point in time, you have taken over the mantle yourself by declaring that you have accepted Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. Since then, have you made a move do you think that you have crossed? There is a period of being an infant that we learn today. Infant that is fed at the milk level of the word of God. And also the period of maturity. Being a matured Christian, matured disciple, fed with the solid foods level of the word of God. 
at what stage are you? Do you think that we will remain at infant level? They said when you are maturing, you will be able to also teach others. You will be able to do a lot of things generally. Please think about it seriously. The reason why God is pushing these words of discipleship in our mouth. There is no more time. It will be so difficult that when it ends and then we get there, some people are not there. We get there. Some people didn't do what they're supposed to do. It is very, 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 very shameful and it will be very, very frustrating. Even I myself, sometimes I think, oh God, after all this jumping up and down, after all this carrying this Bible, after all these things, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? So that even if it ends today, that I will be able to inherit as others. I don't know. I always have that feeling. And it can end any moment. You can any moment. There is this old golden opportunities that we have. No matter how old you are, no matter at what stage, no matter how wealthy, how whatever, how intelligent or how less intelligent you are, the opportunity is now to move from infant to other stages. When I look at, in fact, Putman, Harrington, and Coleman in their book, identify four stages of spiritual development as a child of God. Namely, the first stage of spiritually dead. That means you're not yet a child of God. You haven't given yourself to Christ. You're spiritually completely dead, even though you're moving. That is the stage of unbeliever. And the second stage is the stage of infant. That is, that Mr. Mary has been hampering on here, and that is feeding with milk in Hebrew 5, 12, 14, and all those places, Ephesians that we read about today, talking about that stage, which has to come, which we have to pass through. But the thing is that we should not remain forever there. We need to make it. If there is no movement, then there is a problem. If I have a child that is not growing as others, I'm, I start running to the GP. Yeah, sometime some my friend in Germany, the, 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 the boy was three years old. He has not talked. Four years old, he had not. They were running up and down every because it is a stall development. The same thing also, if I am a child of God, but I have stayed 20 years in the church, 15 years, 10 years, 5 years, but I haven't even come to the level of being able to sit down to tell somebody about God and convince that person, then I am not really, I, 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 I'm still being tossed around generally. So there is this third stage of growing that is the child. <clears throat> Putman and his colleague called it child stage. That is growing uh, growing faith. You have the growing faith becoming solidified. Yeah? And then the, the fourth stage which they called young adult stage. And that is the stage of moving from self-centeredness. Now you have learned now you, have, you are trying you are to, become, to become solidified. And one of the things at this stage that hold people down is that we always talk about self, 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 self. Yeah. So when you come to this stage of young adult, it is stage of you giving out things, being more of God-centered, trying to win yourself those things that take glory from you instead of God having the glory. Trying to do things based on what God told you to do and not what you will get from it and all those things. That is that stage of young adult. Moving from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And then this final stage of parent. 
that is the stage of maturity. That is the stage where we eat solid food. That is the stage where we cannot be tossed around anymore. We cannot be deceived by whatever false prophets are saying because you are now grounded in it. My brothers and sisters, I know it's not easy. I know it is difficult. But we need to do that in order to be the true followers of Christ. What we are striving to be or to do is that we are striving to be like Jesus. That's it. There is no other thing. We are striving to be like him. And that is the only way that we will be equal and we will be qualified to inherit the kingdom like he has already inherited. He's already there. So we can only inherit when we are like him. And that is those are the stages that we will. Yeah. Uh, uh, we will have to go through in order to come to that. Today's uh, discipleship uh, class has also taught us and given us concrete of what it is in the infant stage and what it is that we are going to move on to. And I thank God for those opportunities and I strongly believe that continuously from next Sunday that God will still use Minister Mary to still to hammer on this issue of discipleship. If I am a Christian for so long, but I haven't really begun this process of discipleship. Trying to know him more. Trying to be like him. Trying to be his follower. It is a different thing to be a believer. In order to become a Christian. But then, you need to go that process to be a real follower of Christ. A disciple of Christ. But today's message is in line. Be what God led in my heart to talk about is still in the line with this season of discipleship message discipleship lesson but it's not focused on the stages of discipleship rather it is focused on the qualities characteristics of being of becoming a disciple Qualities, what and what and what and what are those things that disciples exhibit? Those are the things that we are going to look onto to be able to be uh, exhibiting. Yeah. So, the title of today's message is Would you lend your boat? It's a question. Would you lend your boat. Would you borrow Jesus your boat? And it is centered on the message that Jesus is, has been giving us in Luke 5 1 to 11. And I will, will try to read that. Please can you project that for us? Luke 5 1 to 11. So, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This one is the last verse. I want to start from one. Yes. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen 
who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. The boat, this boat he entered into was the one belonging to Simon. That is Simon Peter. And he, Jesus, asked him to put out a little. They put the boat out a little from the shore. Then, Jesus sat down inside the boat and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners, yeah, other fishermen, in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled boat boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Amen. Amen. I know that we all know this Bible passage. We have read it. It has been read several times in the church here, uh, in our church also. But each time you look at it, you will see a lot of things. The Luke story of how Jesus called uh, the first disciple is unique among the Gospels. Why? Because, for example, while Mark and Matthew were speaking of Jesus walking along the sea of Galilee and suddenly calling Simon, Andrew, James and John to follow him. Luke instead tells us the story of the miraculous catch of fish preceding the call to show you and this has a lot of lessons about the characteristics of what a disciple of Christ should be or supposed to to have in them. I know that uh, some people also have talked about the fact that John's gospel uh, began giving account of the, from the second year of, of, um, of uh, the second year of the ministry of Christ anyway yeah, instead of the first year based because of the purpose uh, that he wants to achieve with that yeah, because uh, but, uh, Jesus' ministry has been divided into three the first was going around to uh, tell people about Christ and then the second stage was to 
uh, select few people or some people that we will have to uh, uh, train very well and prepare very well that we take over when he uh, he left. And then the third the third stage now was trying to really uh, prepare himself for the the real uh, prize or, or the real job that he came to do for us. Generally, I understand there are people also who interpret it from that way. But the thing is that now Luke's account gives us really very very clear information about how they finally got um, got um, uh, Peter, that is Simon, uh, to to become really a committed disciple of Christ. But this actually was not necessarily the first encounter that. Um, Luke reported when uh, that Jesus had about uh, uh, Simon. Actually, he has already met Simon in chapter four, I think verse thirty-eight or so. We are not going to read it anyway. So he has already met uh, Simon, where the mother-in-law was sick, and then he healed the mother-in-law. Maybe yeah, that, that might have also. Um, and also, if you look into the account, but we will, uh, I know that because of time, I, I shortened it a little bit. Um, that we will see more um, because he has been called before, yeah, during the first year of the ministry. But then, of course, um, uh, Simon went back to, not that he, yeah, he, he went back to, to steal fish anyway. So, and then now he has this encounter with Christ. Um, but <clears throat> also, let me say this as well, in order to clarify before we move into uh, the characteristics that we have for today. Um, Luke stories or story, this story of, uh, of how um, Peter was called, Peter, John uh, and James and Andrew was called um, she has common elements with uh, the story in John about uh, Jesus meeting the disciples at the Sea of Galilee after resurrection so that if you have, because sometimes if you're not aware, you might hear this story here, hear it the other way. You think that they are the same. They are not the same. The one of John was after Jesus died and resurrected and the, the, uh, the disciples haven't seen him. And after waiting for some while, then uh, Peter told them, I'm going back to my fishing. I'm, not, I'm tired of waiting for this. So he went back to his fishing. And that was also when they were toiling the whole night. They didn't see anything. Jesus repeated that, this, this uh, scenario of call. And then immediately they recognized that he was the one. So these are the, the other one was after the resurrection, and this one was in the initial stage of calling um, uh, Peter or Simon, because later on he called him Peter, but Simon, yeah, to become a disciple. <clears throat> so the account, of, uh, the account in John was, or uh, is in John 21, 1 to 10, if you want to look at it later on. So but now in this uh, Luke 5, 1 to uh, 11, which is the focus of the message today, it is about how Simon, Peter, and his partners, James, John, were called to become disciples of Christ. Simon had been fishing all night, as the story told us, without success. Then, walking from the early morning hours, cleaning the nets, he has all finished trying to clean his nets. It is highly likely that he was tired and looking forward to going home and getting some sleep. Then Jesus got into Simon's boat and asked him to put out a little way from the shore so that he could preach 
uh, from his boats to other people. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that type of imposition? Suddenly somebody comes, went to your boat, where you were cleaning your thing, sat down there, and uh, not even anything, not even apologize. Somebody said, come and push this thing for me a bit so that I can talk from there. <laughs> can you imagine that? But then Simon, <laughs> but nevertheless, Simon uh, did what Jesus asked him to do. So uh, in verse 5, five 1 to 3. But the central point here, central point of the story as I noted it here, is what happened after uh, Jesus finished teaching the multitude. So he turned to Simon and said, put out, <clears throat> put out into the deep water your net and let your net for a catch. For Jesus, this was not about teaching Simon how to catch fish. Simon caught fish for a, uh, for a living, so it's his profession. He knew all about uh, uh, about the fishing. Rather, it is about, or it was about, making Simon a disciple of Christ, and that was that is the focus. Making Simon go beyond believing in Jesus, believing in Jesus' teaching, to become a follower of Christ, a follower who strives, learns to be like Jesus. And that is where we today also and other days need to or must focus our attention more to the story. The story is filled with interesting insights on key qualities or key characteristics of a disciple. And in this season, where God is calling all of us to move, make a move from the stage where you are to the next one. Knowing, learning, understanding different qualities and characteristics of a discipleship or a disciple of Christ would help us to be able to make that move. Yeah, generally. And that is why I think God is trying to let us learn from here. There are a lot of, uh, of, of stories, but the thing is, uh, or characteristics that I identify from here, but I know that based on time, I can't finish all of them. So I will try to do three, and then next time I have opportunity, maybe then I will do, um, and I will do the rest of the characteristics. They are very, 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 very important and powerful lessons on how to be a disciple of Christ. But before we before we try to identify these characteristics of becoming a disciple based on this Bible passage, the questions I want you or I would like us because when I say I'm also included, I'm also included. Some of the things I'm saying is just from the Almighty Father because I know that I can do it on my own alone. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I'm also learning from it. So, the question is what does it really mean to become a disciple of Christ, of Jesus? This question, we have tried to answer it, yeah, in many different ways, in different sermons that have been given uh, recently, and also in the discipleship class that we do on Sundays since last week, yeah, and, but because we have been dealing with it also, is actually the main reason why we need to reflect on it. We need to reflect on it. 
what does it really mean to become a disciple of Jesus? Would you or are you ready and willing to lend your boat to Jesus as Peter or Simon has done that? Think about this. Are you willing to join him? You, didn't, you will not only lend your boat, but also you will be willing to join him and leave every other thing to walk and then be a fisher of men and not of fish anymore. These questions are very relevant. No matter whatever stage of discipleship you think you, you, or you find yourself or you believe you are, it is more than relevant. Even if you feel that you are at the mature stage, there are still a lot of things. Are you, even when you are at the mature stage, are you then willing to do that, what Peter has done? Lending your boat, giving all for Jesus. It's not easy. So, coming to the characteristics, the first one here, after going through the, the passage, one of the things that I found is that it's very clear here that disciples are often made from simple, unlikely people. A key lesson is that God loves to use unlikely people, that is simple people, unlikely people, people that you are not hearing there. And just simple, if you look at here, you see, it gives him great glory to see those who are simple, who are nobody, grow in wisdom and stature of God. In this passage, we see ordinary fishermen, Simon, Peter, John, James, and the other partners, made or became disciples of Christ. Another example is or was Matthew, a tax collector. Nobody likes him. Nobody, everybody abhors him because yet, unlikely person that became the disciple of Christ. Please let us go to 1 Corinthians 1. I will read 27 to 29. I depend on your TV, please. Ah, okay. But God, he says there, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the holy things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to, uh, the things that are not. He wants to use them to nullify the things that are. Yeah? So that no one, no one, no mortal may boast before him. He can do anything. He can make even the rocks to open mouth to shout when you don't shout. Hallelujah to the Almighty Father. And that is what he's trying to show us here. Also in Acts 4, 13, you can see that those fishermen, you see what they become. When they saw the courage that is after they have received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And it became very clear 
that it is the Lord's doing. There is no way Peter, there is no way John can boast before whoever that he has done it. It is the Lord's doing. So what does this mean for us in terms of a characteristics? It, what it means is that it lets us, it leads us to think about who we are. What do you think you are? Ordinary nobody, simple person that had no knowledge of anything, therefore I'm not ready to do that what pastor does. I'm not ready to do that what uh, Sister Melissa does. I'm not ready to do that what Minister Mary stand here in the front to do. I'm not ready to do that what the leadership are doing because I am nobody, I am nobody, I don't have it. No. The passage is telling you that God is ready to use anybody. God is ready to make anybody his disciple and he can catapult you to wherever he wants until you achieve the purpose that he created you. So be ready. Come out. Don't be afraid. Yes. Don't think that you are nobody. You are somebody for God. He wants to do it so that all glory will be his. He wants to do it so that nobody can come to boast about how they have achieved it. Nobody. That is one lesson that we are learning from here generally. So you need because I also put down here that sometimes people might think, oh, I'm not the type that thinks that I'm nobody. But I'm the type that thinks that I'm everything. Yeah, I'm Mr. Know-it-all. I'm the most intelligent person. I'm this and that. And thereby this message is not for me. No. If you're not, if you're that type that thinks that you are somebody, which is also your right, of course, a lot of people are somebody. But if you're a person that thinks like that, you need to also think about and remember Saul that changed to Paul. He was somebody. He read. Yeah. Uh, maybe in our uh, today's uh, context, we can say he, has PA, he had PhD in law. He taught law. He taught everything about Jewish law, everything. He knows everything. He's very intelligent. He worked with people that are top people in the authority. But yet, God also used him. God also brought him to where he wants to use it. So, everybody is called. Yes. Everybody is called. Come out and move away from the stage that you have stayed for too long. Minister Mary nearly whipped here. Come out and move on. No. You might have a lot of the knowledge in your head. But it does not yet show maturity if you're not trying to practice them. If you're not trying to go to that level of maturity where you are able not to be toast. That is, anybody can turn and tell you anything and then you follow. The stage where you were able to also talk to others, teach others, bring others to Christ. Yeah. If you have not been doing it, if you're not doing it, if you haven't looked for opportunity to do it, that means you're not moving. There is need to move. One. So the second, the second, the second characteristic that one can identify here is that disciples are willing to give out their precious assets in the service of the Lord. Disciples are willing to give as uh, to, uh, to give their precious. They give it out. For the service of the Lord. You can see in verse 3. He said. He got into one of the boats. The one belonging to Simon. And he asked him. To put out a little. From the shore. Then he sat down. 
and taught people from that, from that boat, from that place. Simon did not only allow Jesus to get into his boat and use it to preach. But he also even went to adjust the boat and make it comfortable for Jesus to use, to, to preach the multitude. It shows you, it's not that, oh, he has entered, okay, let me just allow him. No. The willingness was there to go down and obey what he said, prepare it for him to be able to use. So, it is the willingness. The disciples of Christ are ready, are willing to give out their precious asset. You can know that this boat is the means, yeah, is the means of livelihood for Peter, for Simon, and for his colleague. The same way, maybe the job I'm doing now is my means of livelihood. Yes, you have to be ready to be able at that stage to be able to give such up in order for the service of the Lord. Are we willing to do that? Sometimes I strongly believe and also, also I experience it. Sometimes it is the fear. It is the fear. The fear of what you will lose. The fear of losing those things. The fear of giving up such things that are very important in order to be able to serve the Lord that is even making us not to move at this stage that we are talking about. Not to engage, not to really serve, not to do something in order to learn how to become like Jesus. So, I'm asking, are we willing, I include myself, please note that, are we willing to overcome this fear of loss of material assets? This fear of loss of money? This fear of loss of property? This fear of loss of money that will come out of the shifts on Sunday? This fear of loss of sleep that will make you to wake up five in the morning to pray with the, uh, uh, the gatekeepers or wake up to do things that you're supposed to do in the church and all those things. This fear that makes me to say, oh my God, I can't do this because I am doing this. Because I am working, because I'm doing this. Because I need this money. Are we willing to overcome that? So that we may encounter, uh, or sorry, uh, the things that we may encounter while following Christ. That is a question that needs to be answered. I need to move very fast here. So the third one, <clears throat> the third characteristics here, and that is where I will end for today, is that disciples are ready to obey even when it doesn't make sense. In Luke 5, 4, 7, the, the, the area that we have read, you can see it there. But because of time, we're not going to read it again, but you can see it yourself when you look at it. But consider this scenario in that place. What happened there from the Bible passage? Firstly, Simon was the fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. We learned that he, pre- he did carpentry with his father. yeah, And then also a teacher. Among these two, Who do you think knows more about fishing? Of course, it's Peter. It's Simon that knows more about fishing. Peter or Simon should be instructing Jesus about how to fish, not the other way around. 
Secondly, in this scenario, you can also see that Simon has already been fishing all night long, but caught nothing. And beside that, by the time Jesus was telling Simon to put back the net into the water, it was already there. And you know that the fishes, or the fish, um, <clears throat> of course, in the night, there the room around everywhere because it's very quiet, but in the day, it's no more quiet. Yeah? So they will go and hide deep down and also in the, all these um, um, vegetations under the sea, hide under there. That is when somebody will come and tell you a professional fisherman to come and put your net there after you have even cleaned your net. And that is the third one here. Simon has just finished uh, cleaning his nets. Get them ready for fishing on another day or later on, yeah, when the fish will be around. It will be very frustrating for someone to come then to tell you drop the net again where you know that you are not going to catch anything and then um, would have to clean them again later on. But then, uh, the request of Jesus, as we can see, <clears throat> if we look, consider it in these scenarios, then it shows very clearly that it does not make any sense at all. And will only cause more work or more troubles for Simon. Yet, Simon obeyed. That is, Simon Peter obeyed with a clear statement of faith in verse 5. But also, I want you to also think about it, the fact that the results the result of disobedience shows and the result is that they caught great number of fish at that particular point in time. It shows that obedience to Christ always results in divine blessing. No matter whenever it comes, it will definitely lead to that. When you obey the word of God, when you walk with the word of God, when you engage with the word of God, when you do that, in my temporary sins, as if nothing is coming, but it will come, definitely. It comes with divine blessing. That is very clear. God blesses faithfulness. This principle of faithfulness or, or, or the, the fact that God blesses faithfulness should be a constant thing that leads us when we serve God. When that fear comes, the fear of losing property, the fear of losing things that you cherish because you want to move, in your discipleship with Christ. When it comes, be comforted with this principle because God blesses faithfulness. In Ephesians 3.20, it was very clear there. He said, Now unto him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to uh, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He is ready to do all of them, no matter whatever. Let us overcome this fear. I will try myself to be able to overcome this fear. Please try to do that. It's with this principle, you are sure. You are sure of the work of God. <clears throat> so it is easy to argue <clears throat> with God, as Peter did. But when you obey, as Peter also did, Peter did it by adding. You see, when you look at that verse, yeah, maybe verse 5. I'm looking at time. Or we can leave it. Or leave, leave it. That verse 5, you will see that he, after telling God, I have toiled all night, this, but nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will put down. That is complete, uh, complete um, uh, submission to the will of God. 
complete faith, complete submission. I know that all this is you're telling me, they do not make sense. But at your word, because you are the almighty God, because there is nothing impossible for you to do, because you are the king of all kings, because you are the owner of everything, even that, what I'm struggling to get, I will put it down. Because I trust in you. And you see the result that came out of it. So, coming back to our characteristics of faith, examples of this abound. Yeah? The examples of the characteristics of obeying God, even when it does not make sense, are filled everywhere in the Bible. Abraham was one prominent uh, example. And we know when he was, they told him, God told him to leave his father's house to go to, even nobody knows. He didn't tell him, but yet he was able to stand and go. And the second one is telling him to go to sacrifice the only son that he has spent almost his lifetime asking God to give him. <laughs> go and sacrifice again. And then <clears throat> it does not make sense. It does not make, there's no logic in it. But yet he obeyed. And we know all the result. So the question is, are we willing and ready to obey words of God? The words spoken through the Holy Spirit. I know that some people can say that God said, but the genuine one, that is also the reason why it's necessary to learn about the stages. When you come to the stage of maturity, you will not be able to be tossed by all those ones. Are we willing to obey the words of God even when they appear not to make sense? Even when they appear illogical? Of course, I know that it is not easy at all. For me, it's also not easy. But the thing is that are we, myself and yourself, are we willing to ask God for the capacity to be able to do that? To be able to obey even when it does not make sense. And I want us to stand on our feet. I want us to tell God one thing. We will use, I know that the time is going, uh, we will use just one minute. I want you to tell God, Father, I have decided to follow you. I have decided to be a child of God. Help me to move to that stage that I supposed to be, the stage of maturity. Give me the capacity to obey your word. Give me the capacity to dedicate to service. Give me capacity to surrender to service that your name will be glorified. I want you to open your mouth. Tell God that in one minute. Open your mouth. Father, help me, oh God. Father, I am very weak, oh God. Father, I cannot do anything on my own, mighty King of glory. Father, mighty Father in heaven, I solely depend on you, oh God. Father, give me the capacity, oh God. Remove every atom of fear, mighty King of glory. Help me, oh God. I want to lend my boat, mighty King of glory. I want to put my boat at your service, mighty Father in heaven, oh God. Oh God, King of glory, give me the capacity, oh God. Help me to be able to do this. I cannot do it, oh God. Father, if you are not with me, oh God, if you don't empower me, oh God, I will not be able to do it. Father, King of glory, oh God, help me to do this, oh God, that your name will be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let me hand over to Pastor.